Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. So this is from 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 through 12. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God, Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I'm just going to pray for Andrew as he comes to speak to us. Lord Jesus, thank you for these true and beautiful and powerful words. Thank you that we are your chosen special possession, and thank you that you make us holy. And just pray for Andrew as he comes to speak on this, and pray that you would open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us today. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, everyone. It's it's great to be here with you. If you don't know me, my name is Andrew. I'm an engineer here in Dublin, and I've been coming to Christ City Church for the last four years or so. And did you notice what I did there, how I introduced myself, how I identified myself? My name is Andrew Tuddy. My name tells you about my heritage, my family. I am an engineer. I am a graduate of University College Dublin, Ireland's premier academic institute. I am Irish, I'm a Limerick man, I'm 23. How do you identify yourself? What comes to mind? Maybe three words. How do you identify yourself? How much of a role does your place of birth, your education, your job, your family, your your hobbies and interests, your religious and political views, how much of an impact do they have on what you do day to day in your life? Identity politics is a big topic in the world today. It's defined as a political approach where people of a particular gender, religion, race, social background, social class, or another identifying factor develop political agendas that are based upon these identities. Who we are dictates what we should believe and therefore how we should act. But with so many different groups of people, so many different political and religious views, how do we know which way to turn? How do we know where to find our true identity and our true purpose? 
Should we just try them all out until we find the one that feels right? Should we just go along with the popular views of the time, of, of your peers and of your culture? Well, the early Christians scattered around modern-day Turkey were facing the same issues as we are today. Where should they look to find their identity and their purpose for life? They had the Romans and the Greeks around them, and they all had their own ideas. Peter writes to them, urging them to resist conforming to peer pressure and popular views. Instead, he wants them to know that with Christ as our cornerstone, we are given an identity and a purpose that is unshakable. With Christ as our cornerstone, we are given an identity and a purpose that is unshakable. So in this passage, Peter is going to say two things about our identity and one thing about our purpose. Our identity is to be built on Christ and built together, and our purpose is to bless the world. So let's kick off. What should you build your life on? Some people will tell you, you know what, you build your life on what you want it to be. Do what you want, when you want, with whoever you want. You set the rules, the laws, you speak your truth. Who is anyone else to say what is right or wrong? Build your life on what you think is best. But the problem with this idea is what happens when someone does something we actually all agree is wrong, though they claim it to be right. And, you know, the, the tragic events of this week, um, as Steve prayed, I know, like many here, yeah, I've been yeah, affected and shocked by the tragic death Vashing Murphy, and, 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 and the perpetrator clearly did something horrendous, disgusting, and wrong. Domestic abuse and violence against women is clearly wrong. And if the men committing these atrocities said in their defense, I'm just living my life the way I think is right, we would all be appalled. We would all think they're wrong. So you can't build your life on whatever truth you want. You can't discover your identity and purpose through trial and error and experience. And you also can't build it on the ideas of the time because these change from year to year. The common held beliefs of Ireland in the 70s are worlds away from those held now. You see, Peter, in his letter, he makes a big claim. You have to base your identity and your purpose on something solid, something unchanging, something secure and steadfast, something true. Follow along the passage, verse 6, with me if you have your Bibles open. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Here, Peter quotes Isaiah 23, verse 16 where the prophet is relaying to God's people, the Israelites, that God has promised to place a chosen and precious cornerstone in their nation's future. And if they trust in this cornerstone, they will never be put to shame. So what is a cornerstone? Well, I had to, I had to look it up myself. In ancient times, the cornerstone or the foundation stone, setting stone is another name for it, was the first stone set in the construction of a building. And all the other stones were set in reference to this. 
therefore determining and positioning all the other blocks in the structure. So hundreds of years after this was written, Peter is saying, look, this promise was fulfilled. Jesus is this cornerstone. He is the foundation. He is the first block that must be laid, and every other block needs to be laid in accordance to him. Peter has been doing this all the way through his letter, taking these young Christians through their identity. In the first chapter, he keeps using Old Testament images and applying them to these non-Jewish Christians. Like the Israelites, God's chosen people who left Egypt, these Christians are are to gird up their loins, meaning to prepare for something difficult and arduous. And they're to leave their old way of life on their way to a new future. Like the Israelites, they are a holy people of God, journeying through the wilderness. They are the people of the new exodus, who have been saved from death, not by the blood of a lamb, but by the blood of Jesus, the ultimate Passover lamb. They are the people of the new covenant, who have God's word buried deep inside them, restoring their hearts and renewing their minds. And now he is saying, Peter is saying to these people, you are the new temple founded on Jesus. The temple was the the center of the Israelite nation where God dwelled. But remember what happened when Jesus died on the cross. From Matthew 27 we read, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You see, before Jesus, the high priest could only enter the area where God's spirit dwells, called the Holy of Holies, once a year, and only after cleansing himself and Israel of their disobedience to God through sacrificing animals. The curtain was a symbol of how our sin blocks us from God's presence. And it wasn't just a measly old curtain like we have here today. It was about the thickness of your hand spread wise. It was 60 feet tall. It was huge. And it just, every time the Israelites looked at it, they said, that is our sin separating us from God. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, because he died in our place and he took the punishment we deserved, the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom meaning there was no longer separation between God's presence and ours. As we sang earlier in that great hymn, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. So when we believe and we follow Jesus, we become part of this new temple, the church, that access is open for all to come. And that's what Peter is saying at the start of this passage. Read with me, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, who is Jesus, Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. When we choose to accept Jesus for who he is, the saviour of our sins, the Lord of our life, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and become more like Christ. The living stones become more like the living stone. Jesus is the foundation block of the new temple, the church, and we are building blocks and we become more and more like him as we grow into this temple. But what if Christ 
isn't your cornerstone? Well, you're going to have to build your life on something else. If it's relationships, well, these can be spoiled by fallings out, by deaths, by divorce, by abuse. If it's money and success, when do you ever get enough? If it's recognition or fame, what will it take to be truly satisfied? I know for myself, these can all be temptations. These are all places I too often try to build my life. And I have to keep teaching myself every day to build my life on the solid foundation. Peter says, put your trust in Jesus and you'll never be put to shame. Build your life on him and you will have a foundation that is unshakable. Build your life on him and you will be given an identity and a purpose from the creator of the universe, God himself. As these early Christians experience, and as we do today, there will be suffering, there will be persecution and rejection and hardship. And again, I'm sure if you're like me, you felt these too. But our foundation is unshakable. Build your life on Christ. Now, there are all sorts of people, especially in Ireland today, that, that say, look, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I said a prayer when I was younger. I was baptized as a baby. I go to church or mass the odd time, especially at Christmas and Easter. I did my first Holy Communion and my confirmation. And do you know what? I think that's enough to get me into God's good books. I don't think I need to live exactly the way Jesus talks about in the Bible. Those teachings don't really apply to me anymore. They're, they're a bit outdated. I know Jesus says the only place for sex is between a man and a woman within marriage, but Look, I'm very committed to my girlfriend and we'll probably get married in a few years, so I'm just, I'm just not really going to follow that one. I know what Jesus says about treating others as we would like to be treated, but he didn't have to put up with my manager at work. It's so, so easy to fall into these patterns of thinking. And Peter's trying to say to these early Christians, no, 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 you have a new identity and you've got to either build your whole life on Jesus so he becomes your identity. The living stones become like the living stone or you're just going to keep stumbling over his teaching forever. Peter's saying, look, it's not a pick and mix. You can't just take some bits of Christianity and leave the others. If you do that, you're going to keep stumbling over and he'll never be your foundation. And what does the passage say if you read on in verse 7 and 8? It says that you'll fall. So if you call yourself a Christian... Take a moment. Is there any teachings of Jesus or of the wider scriptures that you are stumbling over? Be careful not to ignore them so that you don't fall. So we've seen how Peter is urging this ragtag group of Christians to have Christ at the center of their lives. This new identity does not just impact us as individuals, however, but as a community. As we build our life on Jesus, like bricks in a building, we're being built together into the lives of other believers, into a local church where we participate and serve. See, modern culture is so consumeristic, isn't it? It, it tells you to take, take, take. Take as much as you can from life, from your work, from your relationships. Make sure you look after yourself. The Christian church is completely opposite. Be a servant. Give as much as you can for the glory of God and for the good of his people. Read verse 5 with me again. 
You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through, through Jesus Christ. Meeting together regularly as a church community here on a Sunday, in our city groups during the week, on a one-to-one basis, at prayer and worship nights, all these things are so important because God's glory and God's presence exists in the church in a way that you can get nowhere else. God's glory exists in the church body in a way that doesn't occur on a purely individual level. Biblical study, worship, prayer, these are all good things, but they're all even better when we do them together as a group. Church is not a product where you, need, where you have to come and take as much as you want. It's, it's all about participation. It's about coming and getting involved. Now, maybe because of the pandemic or, or other reasons, you've gotten out of the habit of being stuck in with church and stuck in with city groups. Maybe you prefer to dip your toe in now again, and you, know, you just find it a bit easier to attend online, or you know, I'll just listen back to the sermon during the week. I have something else on. Now, of course, there are very good and very sensible reasons to, to stay at home sometimes, to join online when you're considering your health or the well-being of others. But for the vast majority of us, let us come and participate. The church is where God's holy presence dwells. It's the place where miracles happen, where struggles are shared, where lessons are learned, and where community is had. I'm not trying to pressure anyone here. I'm trying to lift up a biblical vision of the church as the gathered people of God where God comes to dwell as we meet together and serve one another. And if you make the decision to to not come in person for now or for a season, that's fine. And yeah, know the freedom of conscience to do what you feel is best. But my prayer is that it makes you hunger and thirst and long for the gathering of God's people in person. Don't get into bad habits and bad ways of thinking. Here's three New Year's resolutions for those of you that call Christ City Church their home. And if if you haven't done so already, join a city group, attend the Sunday service, and join a serving team. Come and consume, be fed, but also come and serve and feed others. So let's recap. Who are we? What is our identity? Peter says in this letter, we need a foundation, that it must be Jesus and nothing else all other foundations will crumble. We need a community. Peter says that it's God's people, the local church, where you serve and don't just consume. And then rather amazingly, Peter says, as you trust in Jesus and build on him and you're being built into his church, you become the new temple. The glory and the presence of God comes into your life. But to what end? Why does Peter want us to have the right foundation and the right community? Does he want us just to be happy and holy in our own little circles? No. The temple people, according to Peter, are to be built on Christ, to be built together in community, and finally, they're there to bless the world. Read with me again verses 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and as exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. 
Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Your identity drives how you live your life. When we become followers of Jesus, we're given a new identity and a new purpose, which must be lived out even when all those around us in college or in work build their identity on something else. Peter gives us two ways to bless the people we rub elbows with every day in the home, in the workplace, or online. No one can dispute that we live in a sinful and a broken world. Ashley Murphy's death tragically proves this. Evil is all around us. So what can we do to help this hurting world? Peter says, abstain from sinful desires. When we disobey God, we not only hurt him, but we also hurt those around us. Your sexual sin has an impact on your spouse, on your fiancé, your girlfriend or boyfriend. Your selfishness negatively impacts your colleagues, your, your kids, the people sharing the road with you on the way to work. You're going to feel peer pressure to store up wealth like your colleagues for purity, greedy intentions. Abstain from this, says Peter. You'll feel the pressure of having just one more drink when you know you shouldn't to keep up with your friends. I know I feel that a lot. Don't do it, says Peter. You will feel pressure to conform to the ideals of the time when it comes to topics such as abortion, just so you fit in better, just so life's a little bit easier for you. Abstain from these sinful desires. This won't be easy, says Peter. It'll be a war. We are aliens and strangers in the world. We are in a world, we are in the world, yet we're not of it. We're in the world, yet not of it, but we're also for it. Abstaining from sin is one sure way to bless our neighbors. And the second way is to live such good lives amongst our friends and our colleagues Not so others are impressed with us, but so that they see Christ in us. We have to be in the world. We can't hide away in holy huddles. Peter says, get in the mixer. Live such good lives in college, in work, in the home, on the pitch, at the gym, online, so that when when people accuse you of doing wrong, ultimately, your good deeds will point them to Jesus. I know a wise man who often says, You always have time for the things that matter to you. Have a look at your upcoming week. What do you have on? What do you spend most of your week doing? Work very often takes up a lot, as does sleep and eating. Are you living such good lives in these areas that an outsider is pointed to Christ? How do you spend your spare time? How much is spent browsing social media? Are you using this time to live such a good life? Having a really busy life doesn't mean you're living such a good life in the same way having a very leisurely and lazy life doesn't mean you're living a good life. Are you working hard to create products and services that really serve others? I know I have to constantly check myself and work and to cut myself on. Am I doing this? Am I doing the best I can to serve others? And the same goes for my money. Would an outsider look at my wallet and say that I'm living such a good life 
by the way, I'm using my money. I gotta be more generous in the hope that others may come join the church. Living a good life in Dublin doesn't mean that we won't get abused or slagged by others. And Peter is clear that it doesn't mean everyone will, will agree with you. He wants us to be missionaries in the world, but foreigners when it comes to its evil ways, to be in the world and not of it. But we'll only be able to do this if we know who we are. And it all comes back to our foundation. Everything flows from that. Every block is laid according to the cornerstone. The greatest thing you can do to bless Dublin or wherever you find yourself is to reflect Christ in all you do so that others will see him, so that others will hear his amazing news and come join the church. Remember, we are a royal priesthood and priests mediate between God and man. That is our job. Abstain from sin, live such good lives so that people in this city see Christ and glorify God on the day he visits us. Remember that though we are foreigners and exiles in this world, the church is our home, the place where God's presence dwells. And we, the living stones, grow more and more like the cornerstone. If you remember anything from today, let it be that with Christ as our cornerstone, we are given an identity and a purpose that is unshakable. And you can't find that anywhere else. Let me just pray to close. Lord, thank you that you are building us into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Thank you that we are a chosen people, not a choice people. You chose us. A royal, and you make us a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Challenge us, Lord, to, to see the ways in our weeks and our lives um, where we're not living such a good life where we're not abstaining from sin, where we're not following your teaching. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, convict us and help us to fight against that sin, that sin that wages war. Thank you for the church. Thank you that we are not by ourselves. Thank you that we're a nation, an international nation that's diverse and it's different. Thank you that we can meet here freely and worship you. Yeah, help us to remember our identity. Help us to remember our purpose. And help us to keep coming to you as our foundation. In your name, amen. amen.